Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here with Bobby Mason, CEO of Spock Automation, an innovating company making automation technology for the upstream and midstream markets of the oil and gas industry. While Bobby's experience is on the technical side and it really can't be matched. His true passion is team building and educating others on the importance of a winning culture and how it contributes to the success of any business, regardless of the current market conditions. Bobby, thanks for coming on to the show. How are you doing this beautiful morning? I am fantastic and thank you. It is truly an honor to be here. Excellent. Well, no, I appreciate you. And, you know, a big shout out to the team at Interview Valet. They helped make the connection here. So hopefully you don't mind me giving them a shout out. They did a fantastic job. And yeah, they they found you and we got connected. And so I'm real pleased with that. And you actually talked to Mark LaCour recently, didn't you? I did. Had a wonderful conversation and looking forward to some exciting things in the future in there too. Yeah. So how did you get hooked up with Mark? Well, we have crossed paths, but not directly. And both have heard of each other and, and we finally were able to connect. And I'm actually pretty excited about some of the things we want, want to try to achieve in the future. Yeah, well, and I won't ask too many questions. We'll let the everything unfold and let the audience find out as things come along. But so I noticed you got a few fish pictures in the background. Are you a fishing guy or what? I am absolutely a fishing guy. Okay. I have an offshore sport fishing boat down on the coast of Alabama. Okay. Which is a hidden gem. That is my passion, that and taking young people. I've actually, over the last few years, we've been able to get about 225 plus or minus a few teenage and high school age kids out and introduce them to the sport of offshore fishing. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to bug you about that. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old and none of them have gone fishing before. So whenever this COVID thing gets lifted and people are comfortable with moving around, I'm going to bug you and and ask because A, I've never been to Alabama and B, my kids have never been offshore fishing. So I'm going to help help you or have you help me point me in the right direction. How's that sound? Well, better than that, you have an open invite when you got, when it gets cleared up and it's safe, come on and we'll go. I love it, man. Well, it's, it's now it's on air. So we both have to commit. And I tell you what, man, I would be more than excited to have that happen. So we'll, we'll touch base later on that front. But nonetheless, before we get going, I just want to highlight some fascinating things provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. So their energies business sees a very promising area for energy transition and the carbon free energy solutions that replace conventional processes that produce CO2. In this field, Technip FMC is expanding their portfolio of technologies and processes to carbon-free energy change, such as green hydrogen produced from renewable energy. 
I know there's a lot of hype around that right now. For everyone out there, don't worry. No one's trying to eliminate the use of oil and gas. But if we can produce and operate in a clean and environmentally friendly way, that just helps create more energy for the world in a responsible and healthy way. And so if you want to learn more, click the link in the show notes. So Bobby, you mentioned you're there in Alabama right now. Is that where you're from originally? I am actually. I'm a native of the Birmingham area. Okay. Which is a unusual place for a guy that's been in the oil and gas business now for several decades. But, you know, the birthplace of coal bed methane was here. It was. And that that is where we got our start in automating the rod pumps and doing the dewatering, PC pumps, all those things in that industry. And then we took it nationally and then internationally from there. Ah, gotcha. And we're going to definitely touch on that stuff. But before we do, so you're from Alabama, born and raised. And again, you mentioned like it's surprising. Most people that are in the oil and gas industry for years, they either end up you know, in Houston, maybe Dallas, Oklahoma, so what kept you there and, and how come, you know, just the, the magnetic nature of oil and gas bringing people to the big city, how come that never ended up coming to that? Well, actually being here is a competitive advantage. Okay. How so? People don't see that, but it, it is true. We have such a diverse industry background and my background prior to this was in the industrial world and, and the automation world. As a second generation entrepreneur, my father had a electrical wholesale and a systems integration business. And so I had a lot of connections to extremely talented people in automotive, in material handling, in foundry business, steel, all these different processes. And it has given us a diversity of thought instead of always doing things the way my granddad always did it. Yeah. They look at problems from multiple venues and and they're able to solve things in unique ways and bring other industry knowledge into this industry. Yeah. No, that that makes total sense. And so you mentioned you, you know growing up in an entrepreneurial family. I mean, did you growing up knew that eventually you'd want to start your own company? I mean, or did you, like, what was the path? Did you knew right from the get-go that was the plan? No, absolutely. I wished I had this grand story that at eight, I had an epiphany and and (laughs) I was going to, actually, one of the things that I'm passionate about is culture. And my my father had that, those other two businesses, and he sold it to a national chain. And I worked for them for two years and the culture of that company was toxic and was not focused on solving people's problems. It was only focused on making money. Mm. And so they wanted to get us out of the automation side of the business and put us into selling light bulbs and conduit and, and, things that we didn't even sell, MRO type products. And I had a different philosophy. So the about 20 years ago, it was a Thursday before a Christmas on that weekend, I got this stack of papers of people that I had to give packages to and fire because mm. they wanted to get out of that business. And so I went into my father's office who I had no ownership in that company. I was I was just like everybody else working hard to try to, to get somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, you know, I I really can't work for these people any longer. This is just wrong. 
And it's also a horrible business decision because you're, you're going away from a, a very high margin business to a very low margin business. So it didn't make good sense morally, ethically, or financially. And since that's kind of the bedstone of who I am, I turned in my notice and told him the things that I've already come up with these solutions to help in the coal bed methane fields. We, we were able to, to put together some software that was extremely unique, eventually patented. I turned it in and he agreed actually, and he had a buyout contract. So he had to work for them for a couple more years. He was a, a silent partner and he worked out his tenure and then he joined me later, which was also a huge benefit of having a built-in business consultant as I started this. So seven of us started this company as a result of culture. I handed out pink slips and I said, you know, if you'll give me till uh, after the first of the year, when the lawyers get back from Christmas vacation, we're going to start a company. I think we can take this not only nationally, but internationally with the solutions that we've come up with. Wow. Well, there's there's two big chunks, or I would say two buckets to this show that I want to touch on. The one is going to be culture and the other one is going to be Spock because I think there's some neat stories and then what you guys offer there. But I want to start off with culture because I think right now, that's been a big buzzword over, you know, I would say probably the last few years is, you know, developing this culture. And, you know, what I think is, is interesting is, is oil and gas has sort of, cultivated a certain culture, which has been a lot different from a lot of your growing industries, like say the tech industry, you get a lot of these companies like, you know, Apple, Google, Facebook, that even just from, you know, the outside looking in, it's a very inviting, cool, trendy, you know, way of conducting business. You know, they have these compounds with ping pong tables and they do this and they do that and arcades and they want to promote fun to attract talent. And that's one thing that I've noticed is, you know, I have a a younger brother-in-law and, you know, his friends and stuff like that. I can't tell you anyone that's ever come to me and said, I want to get in oil and gas. It looks like a cool, sexy place to be. Everyone wants to get on with these big tech companies because I would imagine, and and I know some people that have worked internally within these companies, the culture is far more attractive than anything in oil and gas. Now, I think we're changing, but how would you respond or, or what's your observations been over the years with regards to that? Can you touch on that? Sure. And I get part of what you're saying on you know, ping pong tables and pizza bars and, and all of those things. And, and we do some of that too. But I define culture a little bit different in okay. that. And I think it's something that's super appealing to the individual. And, and it's regardless of age. And that is when you can work somewhere with a purpose, you can contribute to society, the world, a betterment of your fellow man. And so not that we have this huge, deep, philosophy that we try to ingrain, but it is ingrained into the people before they join us. Great example is we actually hire people based on culture. We have five core values and I'll back up just a second. I was a naysayer to culture. Okay. <laughs> Why is that? And, and by naysayer, I've always been the guy that if I tell you it's going to rain, you probably need to take your umbrella to work. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Yeah. And so I would have people, I dealt with fortune 500 companies pretty much my entire career. And I would have guys come in and they would flip out their 
this is our purpose. This is our mission. This is our core values, but they no more lived it than the man on the moon. And to me, that's dishonest. Mm-hmm. I did not want to be seen as a dishonest person or a dishonest company. And so I had a little bit of a negative taste in my mouth for it. And I backed up and realized that we have a phenomenal culture here. It, it is incredible. We've been, we've been blessed to have had all kinds of awards and accolades. We've won multiple times on a state and regional. We even this year, we were one of the best places to work by Inc magazine for 20 Yeah, I saw that. Congrats. And, and thank you. But it's not me. It's, it's the team. I promise you. <laughs> right. But you know, you get all these accolades and I wanted to formalize our culture a little more than it was originally. Cause it was, as we grew, as we needed to expand, I wanted to make sure that that culture was not just here at headquarters, but it was also pushed out into the field with service and sales and, and, and partners and vendors as, as well. And so I hired a consulting firm to come in and worked with me. And, and I kind of told him my lack of interest in putting formal, formal programs together. And he, he flipped out a couple of articles that he wanted me to read from the Harvard Business Review. Mm-hmm. And I read them and I got convicted that companies that I actually respected greatly and saw some of the information, how it benefited them beyond just a marketing thing. Cause I didn't really want to push our culture outside the walls of the company initially. Right. And it was kind of an aha moment. Hmm. So we hired him to come in and help us define our core values and our purpose mission and he said that that's, you know, sometimes that's a 19 to 24 month journey. Right. Said, no, no. I know who we are. <laughs> yeah. And he laughed, he laughed like you're doing. And he says, yeah, you and every other client I've ever had. Well, we went through this exercise and in 45 minutes, my management team is all present and we nailed our core values, our purpose and all this. And, and he said, you guys are amazingly aligned. I said, I know that we've just never formally put it down on paper. Sure. And so when we did, we, we went about six months just fine tuning the words a little bit about some of our definitions. And then I got to thinking, okay, he's told me this is extremely fast. And now I got to doubting myself. So I hired another consultant. to come. (laughs) (laughs) Too good to be true. Too good to be true. You need a second set of eyes on everything. And this one was a different approach. I took it from, not from a top down, but a a bottom up approach. They came and they sat with all of our employees for two weeks, roughly. Nice. I like that. They would spend time doing the job and getting into the culture of the people here and understanding the whole thing. And it was actually a fascinating process because he comes back with this, this 50, 60 page report. And he said, Bobby, this is going to feel like a complete kiss, butt report, but I'm telling you, you got something extremely special here. Your culture is, is it's all around lifting people up and innovation. And as a result, I found a weakness or two also, Mm-hmm. Please tell me, because I want to know those. And it was that these craftsmen, these men and women that put this automation equipment together, 
really didn't have any closure. I said, what do you mean by closure? He said, well, you know, you, you, the sales guys, the management team, you get out, you go in the field, you see customers, you see the benefits, you see their response to, you know, the quality of work that you guys put out. But these guys don't, they work hard. They put their, their blood, sweat and tears into it. They put it on a truck and it goes out West and they never, never hear anything. So we, hired a film crew to come in and build a, put a video together and didn't tell them what I was doing. And they spent a week here doing interviews with, with employees. And then they went out to West Texas, out to Midland and interviewed a bunch of customers. And we put it all together for our award ceremony at the end of the year where we, where we award our top employees around culture. I had grown men in tears which these are some, these are not highly emotional guys either, but it was, it was powerful stuff. And and so that's where we took that and we built an entire lift up culture program around all of that. Wow. What a cool story. And and one thing that's fascinating to me is, and when you started off the story by telling you had the consultant come in and he told you, you know, this is going to be a long process. And I'm sure, like he said, all his clients, it took a while and, and to get aligned and everything, which to you know his surprise, obviously, it happened within 45 minutes. But I guess my question is, how were you able to do that? And how, like, where does that come from? And what kind of framework did you have even before hiring this guy to actually build that type of culture or that type of business around you know, the fundamentals of what it took to have the good culture. Like that's kind of interesting to me. And so, yeah, if you could elaborate on that. Well, I knew the things that disappointed me in other companies. Okay. So I took the antithesis approach and and tried to find people of honor, respect, hard work, dedication, people that are, that like to solve problems because at our core, we are a problem solver culture. That's part of being innovative. And in every aspect, because you know, a lot of times you think, well, they're an, in, they're an engineering company, they do automation stuff, but we really focus on innovation in every process within the company. The, everyone here is an innovator. The guy on the loading dock, the guy in shipping, production, engineers, accounting, it doesn't matter. We're all of an innovative mindset to always try to get better. And that's something we've always done. Yeah. And so it was a natural fit. Sure. For context, how big are you guys with, let's just say headcount roughly? Headcount's actually not that large. We're sitting around 85 folks. Okay. Yeah. But we have a distribution model. So we, we have a much further reach into the market. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just, again, it sounded, yeah, again, it, you guys do a lot of, a lot of big things. And so I was curious, just, you know, the size and outreach, cause I know you guys are all over the place, but anyway, going back to, to culture, you mentioned lift up culture is something that you, you've sort of defined. Has that changed or, or how have you navigated that through the market conditions and can that culture help drive success regardless of the market or, or how did I mean, because the last, ever since I would say 2016, we're still going through this long drawn out downturn. I mean, how have you navigated those waters? That is a great question and a resounding yes. <laughs> Culture makes a huge difference. And we've been through several ups and downs. 
And every one we have innovated, we've come out stronger. We've been in the, you know, in the last decade, we've been in the fastest growing companies in for Inc. Magazine, private companies in the U.S. three times. So that in itself tells you that's two downturns yeah. and, and we're still growing. Our market share is growing. We've, we've got product all over and, and, it, and that culture really, this last one is a great example. Pandemic hits and we got, a, we also have a, an oil war going on and, and the price has plummeted. So it's really, would have been really easy to let go of everybody, trim, trim off all the excess and bury your head in the sand and hang on. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. That's what a lot of people did. And yeah. a lot of people aren't, are not going to survive as a result of that mentality. We took the opposite and my people, my team jumped on board and said, okay, here, we have a little program that we started during the pandemic. It's called two minute drives. And it is little short videos that our sales service engineers and even production guys put together their home with their car phones, you know, whatever. And they're putting these together and they're information that other companies would charge you for, but we're giving away our intellectual gifts and knowledge to the awesome. industry yep. to make the industry better. And actually to help people that may not have jobs anymore, but this is information that will educate them regardless of where they end up. Excellent. And so that type of culture has exploded our innovation, our new product designs have thrived. We're going to be launching new products in first quarter of next year that are leapfrog technologies wow. where we were. And we viewed the entire shutdown and pandemic as a blessing in disguise because we have doubled down on being able to work and focus on thriving in the future. Yeah, no. And, and I'm, it's so cool to hear a company like yourself that through the downturn, like you said, instead of just rolling over and letting this thing drive all over you is figuring out how through all the chaos to breed innovation and find the opportunities. And it's hard because I mean, you got folks around you, whether they're losing their jobs, families getting sick, seeing all over the news, everything from hate to fear to, I mean, just, you know, mostly all negative to have the optimism and the drive and the motivation to come in and pursue and overcome the uncertainties because no one knew what this thing was going to do. I mean, we all heard stay in your homes for two weeks and then get back after it, which here we are <laughs> several months later now we're hearing about these things coming up again. And so just, just the level of stress that, you know, that's been added to people's plates, I think is going to have some really long-term effects. And so for companies like yourselves to really dive in and, and keep each other motivated and give people, you know, and, and while I like to say, and a good buddy of mine says, hope is not a plan, but having some bit of hope and outlining how you're going to get from one place to the next is fascinating. And I think without, you know, and again, people are going to say, just stop using the, the C word, but without a good culture and without a good, you know, just company foundation, that's impossible to do. And so my hat's off to you guys, you know, and it sounds like you're in a, you're well positioned to, in the marketplace to come out of this thing, you know, being catapulted into, into some more successes. So I want to kind of shift gears and, and 
talk a little bit more about spa. Cause I mean, I think there's some things in there that are fascinating. It sounds like you guys are growing and, you know, developing new products. Firstly, what is Spock? I mean, it's an acronym, I'm assuming, but what does that mean and, and where did that come from? Then we'll get into your guys' offerings. Sure. Spock is actually, a, you're correct, it is an acronym and it stands for Sensorless Pump Off Control. We are variable frequency drive experts. Okay. And what is that for listeners who aren't familiar? Not a problem. That is a digital controller for electric motors. Okay. And that's that sounds grand and wonderful, but I'll equate it to... If you think about a rheostat or a light dimmer switch, you adjust the voltage to the light, changes the intensity of the light. We can actually do that with a variable frequency drive on an electric motor. So your pumps, your compressors, any rotating equipment with an electric motor, we can control the voltage and the torque of that and speed it up and slow it down electrically with no mechanical changes. And then you bring in all your process variables, your pressures, your switch, your vibration switches, your tank levels, any of that stuff. And it comes in and then we automate the process. And the benefits of that is that we can save you between 25 and 40% on your electrical consumption. So that's going to lower your lifting cost. And if you automated your process, instead of just using pin timers to do on off control. Now we, we have an opportunity to actually increase production at a lower lifting cost. So that, that's our core nucleus of what we do. And then we, we do it for every artificial lift method out there that has an electric motor on it. Wow. No, that's huge. And so a question I had, I believe ties into it is, is what's the next generation drive automation do for your rotating equipment? And, and why should the industry care so much about this and, and the value it could potentially add? That is a great question and something I'm actually super excited about because we've got this great technology and ESPs is a great example. You know, 15 years ago, less than 10% of ESPs, electric submersible pumps, were on variable frequency drives. Today, that's that number's about 100% are on variable frequency drives. And all these other application rod pumps and, and progressives and all the and compression and all these other rotating pieces of equipment are migrating over, but this next generation drive is going to actually incorporate not only controls, but additional, I'll call it quasi-AI. Because now you're going to have the ability to not only control your processes, you're going to have additional sensors and data available to you. And the drives themselves and the systems can make intelligent, proactive diagnostics. A great example would be, let's just say your motor. If you're operating your motor at a certain speed under a certain load, you should be able to tell the customer, you know, that electric motor is going to last X number of months. Let's just say that's 28 months. And if you speed up or slow down, we should be able to tell you the expected life cycle of that motor based on that criteria. Now, what if you could take a proactive approach and then two months out before an expected meantime failure, you could 
proactively then order the electric motor and have it in the warehouse and change it out on a schedule versus a breakdown. Mm-hmm. That's just one of many, many areas. And then well, another area that we're super excited about where our drives can play is in the hybridization area. And especially in today's dramatic shift in energy and what that allows the drive to be, be is something like a, I'll call it a hub. If you're familiar with how a router works, you're moving traffic. Well, picture our equipment being the router for your energy and energy storage. So anytime you, you want to utilize a hybrid, two energy sources or more. So maybe I've got utility and let's use a generator. It's a great example. I got a generator out there running a load and maybe I have a battery backup system and I've got my, my drive with, with this special software in it. If the generator drops below 80%, it's no longer highly efficient. It's very inefficient. And you have all of the EPA regulations going on too. So what if I could be charging my batteries and automatically switch to one, or if I'm in a situation where I'm paying peak demand charges to the utility, what if I had wind or solar or battery backup or generation or whatever the energy source is, I can move between the most cost-effective for that particular point, either in the process, the day, the time, whatever, you know, late in the afternoon, summertime, utilities charge you a peak demand charge because everybody's come home at at five o'clock, turn on their air conditioners. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe between three and seven o'clock, we run on an alternative energy source and all of this can happen automatically through the drive. Wow. It sounds like states like California could be using this sort of technology yesterday. Yes. Yeah. And, and and it's available today. It, yeah. It's People just don't know about it. Right. Well, no. And I think just the cost and, and the amount of resources it would take to deploy something like this at scale certainly takes time, which I'm actually interested on on this, this side of it, which is you're talking about, which is not really oil and gas related. I mean, it's all tied together, but I mean... Where do you see, I mean, do you see this type of stuff being in high demand as the sort of, like you said, grids are changing. Well, let me back up. So especially in California and even within the U.S., the U.S. grid, you know, certainly faces challenges through, you know, hotter weather and, you know, things like in California where they're having to, you know, have these brownouts and stuff like that. Do you think battery storage and that sort of technology, are, are we at a point now where we can you know, cost effectively deploy some of these solutions or are we a long time away from that? Or what's kind of your thoughts on that? We're there. It's going to continue to come down, but you have battery, you have super capacitors. There's a lot of different technologies out there and that market is emerging. It's a growing market. There is solutions that are coming out and being announced, you know, almost weekly in that industry. And here's a great example, a request for a quote this week from a gentleman that had, uh, he had 30 or 40 water wells in Wyoming. 
and he wants to run solar. He doesn't have to run them all the time. Right. And so he can use, but when he needs them, he needs utility. So he wants to use this hybrid technology to have a solar utility package. And so he, he's in a situation where if he can just get a few hours of runtime, that's really all he needs for his irrigation purposes. Mm. So we'll put the drive in there. We'll have a solar feed and then we'll have a backup with batteries and a utility feed in the event that they go, you know, multiple days or weeks with no sunshine for the, for the solar feed. Right. And it's a perfect example. And these are actually on, even on smaller scale because they're small motors. They're in the, you know, 10 horsepower range. So it's not like our big giant ones, which we can do that too. So it is actually being pushed down to a small application and being a cost-effective solution. Wow. How cool is that? And again, I, I find it fascinating that you've diversified into other industries while it sounds like, and it may, may or may not be, but your core scope of work is within oil and gas. But really, I mean, like you said, as we're seeing a shift in energy, you know, they call it the energy transition. I think it's more, you know, just merging together technologies, not necessarily us against you, but really just, just complementing each other to provide energy, whether that's solar, whether it's wind, whether it's oil and you know, gas, I think a combination of everything is, is required. And so for you to be able to get into different nuances is fascinating. So I guess my, my question kind of with regards to that is what is Spock's biggest limiter right now, you know, for further growth? I mean, are, are you at a point where you, you can barely keep up or are you, you know, in a good position or, or what really limits you guys right now from, from taking over the world, if you will? We're hyper-focused, so we don't want to take over the whole world. I'll, I'll leave that to the politicians. They, they <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to, we want to be the dominant forces in the areas that we choose to, to participate in. And obviously there's rotating equipment in any industry. Of course. But, yeah. But we love this industry and we're good at it and we're a leader in it. And that, that in itself is a great place to be. And just like this hybridization technology, as you so well said, there's going to be a period where we need something to bridge that gap between these different technologies. And we can be that conduit, whether it's in the energy industry or if it's in the industrial market, that's a great place to be. And as far as scale, we have a lot of capacity and we're a just-in-time manufacturing facility. So we have fastest lead times in the industry. It gets back to that innovation. We've got some super innovative ways in our manufacturing processes and scalability is not an issue. So we are open to serve. Cool. So what is like a typical company? Let's say someone's listening to this and they're saying, well, it sounds interesting, but I just, I'm not sure if, if it applies to me. What, what, what's a very basic kind of ideal case for a company to come to you and say, ah, this is my problem. This is the solution. Let's, let's do business. Can you, can you kind of elaborate? You know, that is a very broad, broad question because we solve so many problems. Okay. And, and it's actually, it's probably one of our nemesis is that a lot of customers just don't realize that their problems are solvable because they've accepted it as how we do business. Right. Yeah. And if you have any electric motor application, if you have any pump compressor, regardless of size, 
anything I'll say 2,500 horsepower and below. Mm-hmm. We'll be happy to talk to you about any of your applications on how we could either help you with the process side or the the electrical saving side. And usually it's a benefit of both. Gotcha. And most of the time it comes back to people initially give us a difficult application that, that's been that problem child, either saltwater disposal or a well out there. And since we, we solve those problems, they're amazed. And then they start putting our equipment on all over their fields. No kidding. Do you guys do much with electric frack fleets and stuff like that? Or We don't do a lot in the frack side of it. Okay. Certainly have the capability, but it's just, it's a different a different market, you know, niche within the, within the segment. And we just have not chased it. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm sure the potential's there and the demand who knows maybe one day. Well, they use electric drives on fracks. I promise you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, if anyone out there is interested, you know, you know, the man to talk to. So for Spock, what does the future look like? I mean, if you had a crystal ball five years from now, what would that look like? And how do you, how do you expect to get to that point? We are excited, actually, even out to 10 years. That's one of the things. I'm a big process guy. I guess that goes with the territory. Yeah. And we have 10-year goals, three-year goals, one-year goals. And every week, we are focused as an entire company on quarterly goals that point towards those one that point to the three and the 10. And we are so excited about where we're headed. We see nothing but blue sky opportunity. We're super excited about where we're at in this industry and with our next generation products, we think it's going to give us some incredible competitive edges that are going to solve so many more problems for people that they didn't even know you could solve. Yeah. And then this hybridization. So we actually see ourselves growing a lot over the next few years. Okay. So yeah, you're just going to keep bursting at the seams and, and keep building on top of it, huh? It's a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's better to be growing than dying. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, that's good. And I mean, do you have your eyes set on any other industries that, I mean, are there any other markets that kind of pique your interest and say, you know what, like, I think we should take a leap at this if the right opportunity came along. You know, this, this hybridization stuff touches everywhere. And it, it will actually take us beyond just the energy space. Mm-hmm. It's going to open us up. And my background is so diverse in so many different industries, but we really want to be focused and be the leader in this industry first because we know it. And we have so many people that will listen to us because they know that we're a quality, trustworthy company and they'll, they'll at least give you the time to talk. So. Yeah. We're going to dominate it and then we'll figure out a way to expand into others. No kidding. But automation to me in general, you know, I noticed on some of your previous podcasts, some of the foodie comments. <laughs> yeah. But I view automation, quite frankly, like a fine dining experience. Okay. Everybody looks at me kind of funny, but if you think about it, if that chef way before you ever showed up, went out and he procured the best components available, farm to table, fresh meats, fruits, vegetables, and he put high quality components together with his knowledge of how they should be blended and all. And then he brings it out to you and you have this incredible 
meal in front of you. It's, it's beautifully presented. It's of the highest quality. But if you didn't have good service to go with it, right? it's just like any other meal. But when you get both the service and those high quality components, now you've had an experience and that's something that brings you back time and time again. And, and so that's, I think that's what will be the difference in having us move into even more markets. Right. So geographically, are you guys, you said you're multinational, is that right? We are all over the U.S. continent, and then we have a lot of partners that we are doing multinational work with. Yes, we we have a distribution model through OEMs and pump companies and others. So we, we go to market through our partnerships. Right. So emerging economies such as India, China, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of potential over there. Does that present a huge opportunity for growth for you guys over, over in that area? It does, as well as we're doing work in Middle East, South America. We're doing things all over the world. Cool. That's awesome. I'm excited for you guys. It sounds like you're well on your way to just continued success. And so before we close out, I, I do want to ask a few personal questions more to kind of get to know more about the gentleman behind the mic. But, you know, obviously you're busy, you're a CEO, you're running a company. I'm sure your mind doesn't ever shut off, but do you have any daily habits or routines that contribute to your success, whether that's morning routines, afternoon, evenings, weekends? I mean, what, what's something that you commit to, to really either unplug or, or get your mind, mind right for continued growth? Absolutely do. And my routine, quite frankly, every day is, is even though I'm getting a few years on me, I get up, I exercise and I'm very involved in my church and I spend a lot of time in my Bible every morning. And I think that those two things right there, both mentally and physically, I get charged up every single day before I come to work. Awesome. I'm trying my best to eat right and exercise daily and, and also exercise my mind through reading. And, and that's actually part of our culture too, is we, we just actually, I, I put the entire company through several books a year so that we're all on the same page. Then we go through them together as learning opportunities. So we're, we're constantly trying to better ourselves professionally and personally. That's really a neat action. I've heard of other companies doing stuff similar. So are there certain books or is, what's the last one that comes to mind that you can recommend for the listeners? And in myself, I'm curious too. There you go. This one is one that we're, we're just about finished up with and, and it falls in line so well with our, our goal processes that we do here. Okay. It's called Extreme Ownership, How the U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win, Jocko Willink and Leif Babbage. Oh, Jocko Willink is is an absolute stud. Yes. I haven't read it, but I'm pumped to take that. Great, great book. And I have had nothing but great praise from my team. They have thoroughly embraced it. Each week, a different person leads the groups, they, the different teams have broken out and yeah. they lead through the chapter. And it's a great book because it gives you a military battle scene. It gives yeah. you a principle and then it gives you a business application of that principle. Wow. It's awesome. Good cool. stuff. That is awesome. I'm sure all the listeners out there are pumped. Anyone, I'm sure most people out there know Jocko Willink, whether it's through his motivational videos or his podcast, but he's a very unique and just, I like everything about what he does and the message he sends. It's, it's very cool. He and his partner actually read it. If you get it on audible, oh. so now you get their voice yeah, and their energy in it. 
It's like being at a movie. Yeah. Oh, that's too cool. Well, you know, with that being said, one last question I had is, is there a message you'd like to relay assuming everyone in energy is listening right now? Yes. And that would be that world changing ideas, they come from anywhere. And so make sure you're not closed minded. Keep driving forward. We're going to get through this thing and we're going to be so much better on the other side. That's that's my message and I'm sticking to it. Hey, I love it, man. Well, your, your energy and your attitude and optimism is highly contagious. So I couldn't be more happy with the conversation. So, but before we close out, I do want to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming OGGN events. Happy New Year, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for January 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events, the OCI East Houston Chapter Luncheon at the Monument Inn on the 5th, and the Houston Chapter Energy API Meeting at the Petroleum Club on the 14th. The only online event we have this month is the Prefab Connect from the 26th to the 29th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for January. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Great. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Wet crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. Bobby, thanks again for coming on the show. What's the best way for people to reach out or to get to know more about the company? If you'd like to learn about it, it's Spock Automation. That's S-P-O-C automation.com is our website. And then I'm on LinkedIn under Robert L. Mason. Awesome. I'll put both of those links in the show notes. Yeah, please reach out if I can ever be of any assistance and it doesn't have to be automation related. Just if I can be of assistance, that's what I'm here to do. I was put on this earth to serve. Hey, that's what it's all about. I always say give more than you take and the world will return the favor. And one question I had is you mentioned the videos sort of earlier back in the, yeah, in, our in, lift in up the conversation. Video. Yeah. Is that, is that something available to the public or is that it internally? actually is on our website? So if you go okay. to the about cool. us page, on our website. Right. When you go under that, you'll see that video is there along with our lift up culture, defining the fact that we try to lift up the individual. We try to lift up the people around you, our company, our customers, our industry, and ultimately the country. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm sure everyone will be clicking along and checking that out, including myself. So Bobby, thanks again. And for the folks out there, I appreciate the support. Please review the podcast subscribe. And if you ever have a question for me, reach out on LinkedIn. I always love engaging with the audience. And with that being said, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.